I think you probably noticed that there's a prayer wall here when you come in. That was from the Friday night worship time where a whole bunch of you came and we worshiped together. It was a barn burner. You know what a barn burner is? <laughs> it, comes from, uh, it comes from a really bad term. It means people are standing around watching the barn burn. <laughs> anyway, it, it was incredible. Jesus did so much cool stuff there. And then we, a bunch of people stayed after for an all-night prayer meeting. Anybody here who was part of the all-night prayer meeting? Woo! All three of you. It was awesome. No, really. Hey, we had, uh, there was um, bigger numbers and they got littler and littler as the evening went on. We prayed till 7 a.m. And it was incredible. And, and the, um, there was 123 people there at 7, 7 a.m. who had stayed the whole night, which was so cool. And, and listen, listen, this, this, this idea of, of an all-night prayer meeting, it is not, we don't, get, we don't get kudos from God for doing an all-night prayer meeting. You don't get brownie points. You don't get any of that. What it is is an exercise in the mystery of what God can do in the life of a human. What it is is an exercise in saying no to the flesh and yes to God's spirit that lives within us. What it is is a simple way of saying, God, I'm more desperate for you and your spirit than I am for food or sleep. Because I don't know if you know this, but your body was made for food. You should put food in it. Now, most of you put bad food in it, and it is, and it will process the poison. Your body was made to process poison, but not for that long. (laughs) So you you have to put the right food in it. You have to put the right fuel in it. But there are times when you should go without food. It's called fasting. It's a spiritual discipline. And when you go without, what you're doing is you're not trying to get God to do stuff. You're saying, I want to line up with who you are and where you're going and where you're headed. I want to be more full of you. I want to be more attentive to you. I want to hear your voice better. And the, the all-night prayer meeting, all those people just, just praying through the night and, and, then, and then yielding to God's spirit. And you could see them. I did one of the sessions about 3 a.m. And I was looking out at those people and I could, I could see them. They were just like... And you know, it's like, it's like, it doesn't happen all at once. They don't just get, you know, they don't just lay it. They kind of happen slowly. It's like they're just listening to you. And then, and then it's closed. <laughs> That's exactly how it happens on Sunday morning too, sadly. It's, it's true. I, you don't think I can see you, but I can see you. So they're saying no to their flesh and yes to God's spirit. And, they're ch- and, and about 3 a.m., I mean, they were made for sleep, but they're saying, no, I'm not going to sleep because I'm more desperate for God. And when they, and when they wake up, when they, when, they, when they realize they're sleeping, they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then they stand up or, they, or, they, or we walk around or they, they start to, we, start, we, we did a lot of worshiping. We worshiped together. We prayed together. We paced. We, we got down on the floor. We, not for long because you can fall asleep down there. And you, but, but, but there's something about making your body do something. And there was a mystery happening. A mystery. Three o'clock, four o'clock. A.M., a mystery of the Holy Spirit working inside people. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Tonight. See, I'm all messed up. <laughs> I stayed up all night, and I, now I'm all messed up. Last week, we talked about the helper. The helper as the Holy Spirit, this series on better, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about the mystery. And I want to start with a story from John chapter 3, verse one, and I, I, I want you to look that up in the scriptures and get out your Bible. Get, 
turn on your smartphone or whatever and go to the scriptures with me and let's read it together. John 3, 1 through 8 says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, notice how Nicodemus responds. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, those of you who've heard this passage before, it seems, you know, you're kind of used to it. But if you, if you take off all your, you know, all, all this history and you just look at the question, is Nicodemus really asking how he can get back into his mom's womb? <laughs> Like, that's weird and creepy. And, I, like, and later on, Jesus, Jesus actually says to him, he says, you're a leader of Israel. You're a religious leader. He was part of the Pharisees. And he says, you don't know this? You don't understand this? It was foreign to him. He couldn't figure it out. He's like, what does this mean? And look at Nicodemus. He came under cover of night. And the reason he comes under cover of night is because he's a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He is well known. And he doesn't want to get caught mixing it up with Jesus. Jesus has massive followers. There's a power struggle going on between the religious leaders of that day and Jesus who's doing miracles and crowds of people are following him. And so he, but he knows, he knows, he says, look, it's true you're from God, but I, we can't figure it out. How, what is going on? He's so curious. There's a mystery there for him. It's mysterious. He can't figure it out. He knows the scriptures better than almost anybody. And yet, He's struggling to understand how this works. Verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. This is fascinating here. Now, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, I think it it does weird some of us out. I think it weirded out Nicodemus. He couldn't quite figure out the mystery. What is this? The Holy Spirit. He's a spirit, but he's holy. The King James Version calls him a ghost, which is even more weird. The Holy Ghost. Is that like Casper, the friendly ghost? What is it? How does this work? The truth is, Orthodox Christianity has always embraced the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. Everybody say Trinity. The Nicene Creed that we usually say on a Sunday morning, we'll say it uh, 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 quite often, is a Trinitarian creed. It has a section on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the reason why we say it. It gets us in touch with the rootedness and the foundations of our faith and what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And the Trinity is not actually in, uh, the word is not in the scripture. It's a biblical concept 
And in fact, uh, for, for many Christians, they're, un- they're so uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit, they just kind of de-emphasize Him. And they tend to, tend to treat God like the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? Again, which is understandable because the Holy Bible is like, it's right there. You can read it. it you can study it. You know, you can unearth truths out of it. It, seems, it just seems, so they emphasize that and they de-emphasize the Holy Spirit. And we kind of get the other two members of the Trinity, right? I mean, we get Father, right? As flawed as our fathers might have been. You know, that sometimes that's a really challenging thing to, to get over in our culture. But, but we understand the idea of a Father who would love us and give us gifts that are good. And, and we understand the Son. That makes sense to us, right? We understand a Son and Jesus and what He did. We, he came. He's a historical figure. We get that. We, we kind of understand that. He's a sacrifice for our sins. He took the sins upon himself, our sins and the sins of the whole world, was put in the grave and died in our place and then was resurrected to life. We get that story, but the Holy Spirit is what? What is he? The third wheel of the Trinity? The bronze medalist of the Trinity? What is he? Is he the, <laughs> is he the errand boy of Jesus and his dad? Right, like there's a... Most of us kind of think he's more like a crazy uncle. Everybody's got a crazy uncle. We can identify with that. So for some of you, you're sort of, you, as, we, as we go into this series, you're, you, it conjures up ideas of swinging chandeliers and, and, the, and the, this, this, these Holy Ghost encounters. Or, or you have, you, as we talk about it, what comes into your mind is the crazy weirdness of televangelists. Too much hair. Too much yelling. But I want us to like, think about this triune being, this three in one. The mystery of a God who is three in one. Isn't that a mystery? Isn't that like, that's really interesting. I think it, what's so profound about it is that it means that God is relational at his core. Think about it, three in one. He is in relationship and has been. He has been in an eternal relationship. He is his very essence, his very nature, his very character is relational. And the miracle is he's invited you and me into the relationship. So you have to see that. That we're in this community with God. And I think there's so much confusion about the Holy Spirit sometimes. And it comes from his name a lot of times. Like, why is it, what, his name, like, if, if the Holy Spirit, like, let's think about it this way. If the Holy Spirit had a name, like Bill, okay, so we, we just call the Holy Spirit Bill. Because of the Holy Spirit had a regular name, like Bill, we could say, I'm going to get Bill's advice on this matter. Instead of saying, I'm planning on seeking the will and purpose and guidance of the Holy Spirit on this matter. It just sounds different, right? If the Holy Spirit had a name like Bill, formal churches could call him William. And churches that are a little looser, maybe like ours, we could call them Billy. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Does, does that make sense? Here's, no, I'm, I'm totally kidding, right? For those of you who are nervous. <laughs> the reality is people are confused very often about the Holy Spirit because of his name, because I think the most important thing to understand about the term Holy Spirit isn't a name. It's a role. It's his role. 
The description is about a role. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says this idea to Nicodemus. That there is something that the kingdom of God is bearing something. It's birthing something by spiritual means. The Holy Spirit births spirit, new spirituality inside of a person. And that word spirit is a Greek word pneuma. pneuma and it's, it means breath or wind. It means breath or wind. The work of the spirit or pneuma is invisible and mysterious like the blowing of the wind, pneuma. Both those words are that, are that word. And so the Holy Spirit is the very breath, the very wind of God which moves in and through our lives in a mysterious way. This is the challenging concept that Jesus brings to Nicodemus to be born again because it's the Holy Spirit who gives birth to spiritual life. It's the kingdom of God cannot be understood unless you allow the Holy Spirit to birth the concept, the idea, the revelation of Jesus into your life. Just like we dedicated babies this morning, they are physical babies. They are brought about by physical means, right? Spiritual life can only be birthed by the Holy Spirit, And there's a miraculous and mysterious way that the Holy Spirit works in people for them to be born again. And and so they're they're born once physically, right? And then they're born again, according to Jesus, spiritually, twice born. Twice born. And we're like, this is why is this so significant? What's the big deal, Pastor Ross? Because we have to understand there's something that we have to pursue. We have to seek. And when we're talking about spiritual experiences, we're not just talking about random spiritual experiences. We're not not even talking about all spiritual experiences. It's a Holy Spirit experience, a Jesus experience, not just a random spiritual experience. In fact, you know, in Austin, I hear it all the time, this idea, um, I'm I'm not very religious, but I am deeply spiritual. (laughs) Everybody wants to be spiritual. Austin is a spiritual city. It's a spiritual town. And so I, some people in Austin have all kinds of ideas about spirituality. I just did a casual search on Google. I just Googled uh, spirituality in Austin, Texas. And here's, here's, here's most of what I got, stuff like this. One lady offers uh, Reiki healing sessions and intuitive messaging through your angels and spirit guides to help you receive guidance and healing. The Austin Metaphysical and Holistic Life Expo, from chiropractic to clairvoyant, where East meets West. Here's the the text on it. Here's the description. To create a spirit environment for both attendees and the professional psychics, readers, astrologers, holistic practitioners, and alternative health professionals and vendors, popular metaphysical and holistic disciplines, including astrology, tarot, palmistry, theta healing, stone reading, access bars, runes, energy healing, and aura photography, and much more. People are interested, by the way, in spirituality. Hey, 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 people are interested in spiritual power. The problem so often is they've, they've been seeking the wrong spirit. There's spiritual power out there, but they're seeking the wrong 
spirit. One says, join us for a new moon circle. The new moon is the most popular time, or sorry, most potent time to set intentions and goals for the coming moon cycle. Join lunar, check this out, lunar nourishment for guided meditation, moon insights, journaling, hot tea, and more. (laughs) They don't have summer moon coffee. Here's, Here's the last one. The entity doctor, the entity doctor, clearing spirits from you and your clients so you don't have to. Jesus is describing something from, for Nicodemus that is truly spiritual, but it is focused on a person. That person is Jesus. It's the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in a person to make them brand new spiritually. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say new person. Old life is gone. A new life has begun. Have you ever known someone who says they're following Jesus, but they don't exhibit the signs of a person who's born again? Listen, it happens. As as a pastor, I've prayed with hundreds and hundreds of people the sinner's prayer, the, the salvation prayer, the prayer to be born again, and it doesn't always happen. Why not? Why not? Like, some of you are thinking here, well, why doesn't it happen? You pray the prayer, you say the words, you, get the, you, you do the thing, you say, I'm sorry, you get, it happens. It's a, it's a formula. One, two, three, and it's done. If you said it and you prayed and you meant it, then it's finished. No, actually, Jesus is saying something different to Nicodemus. He's saying something spiritual has to happen on the inside of you that is from God. It is a supernatural revelation of Jesus. And some, we're not, listen, Christianity is not just about following the teachings of Jesus. There's a lot of people who's like, teach, oh, I love the teaching of Jesus. Jesus is cool. And my spirit guides are cool too. So I have both. It's like everybody wins. I think there's a, a struggle for us when we realize that there's a mystery in the miracle and I, I, I pray with people and I ask them to pray with me to receive Jesus into their heart, into their life, but it is the Holy Spirit's job to do the changing. I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. I can walk with them, but it is the Holy Spirit who works in them. There's a lot of practices of religion to try to force people into what they think they should be. That's not Christianity. I know it's some forms. You've seen it. You've seen the legalism at work. You've seen sort of the the heavy-handed, pressurized, authoritarian view. No, this is God, and you have to do this, and you have to... Listen, it is not the pastor's job. It's not the discipler's job. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to change a person from the inside out. And it happens only by permission. You have to give him permission to come in and do something, but it is a mystery and a miracle. And we need to have a reverence about that miracle and not think that it's a formula, not think that it's just something, oh, you say, you say the prayer, you're done, do the deed, it's over. No, there's something more that Jesus is saying here. Why am I talking about this this way? Because even though he's a mystery like the wind, he's there and he's 
He's, he's working, and you have to be somehow attentive to him. Here's how Paul, the apostle, describes it. Now, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible, which is a translation from Eugene Peterson, but it's brilliant. Here, it's Ephesians 4.30. You can just put it in your notes there. Ephesians 4.30 in the message. It says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. A relationship with the Holy Spirit requires attentiveness, faith, and sensitivity. Why sensitivity? Because you can grieve him. He's part of the relational fabric of God. And now you've been invited into the relationship and he's living within you. And there's something happening, a new person being birthed on the inside, which is a supernatural Holy Spirit experience. And now you have to lean into him. If you treat it like a formula, you can find yourself leaning out and just kind of going on with your own life, trying to think good thoughts about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the miracle of the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe intersecting with us, imperfect, flawed, foolish, and willful humans. That's a miracle. You could see it all through the scriptures now. I'm just going to touch these scriptures from the beginning. From the very beginning of the Bible, you see the Holy Spirit active in creation. Galatians 1-2 says, And the Spirit of God was hovering above the waters. Bible scholars believe we can, we can read this and interpret it as the Holy Spirit waiting and ready to turn chaos into order, to turn darkness into light. And he was there, and God spoke by the, by the, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, the scriptures say, was there at this time in John chapter 1. Gen- but, but, but Holy Spirit is active all through this, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. It's plural, It's the Trinitarian scripture we were talking about. The Holy Spirit is active in this. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon people for specific tasks. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon people for tasks or assignments. So here's how it worked. Moses, Gideon, Samson, Saul. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just read it. Moses, uh, Numbers 11 says, God says, I will take the Spirit that is on you, that I put on you, and I'll put the Spirit on them. Gideon says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet and he had an incredible victory that day. Samson, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. The Holy Spirit came upon people. Saul, in 1 Samuel 10, 10, the spirit of God came upon him in power and he joined in their prophesying. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is, 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 is evident. He's, he's there, but he's coming upon people. Something happens when Jesus comes, and he ushers in a new age, a new kingdom in the New Testament. And so uh, now in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit continues to be active, but in a much more personal way. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God dwells within us. He dwells within us. That's what Jesus is talking about to Nicodemus. He becomes our helper, our comforter, our counselor. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17 and 6, 19 says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And you have to understand that all the people who would have been listening to Paul in that kind of language, they would have understood, oh, the temple is where we go to worship. The temple is where we meet with God. Paul changes it. He turns it on its head and says, no, the temple is you. You're the temple. He, he dwells in you. He's living with you. You can worship him at any moment. You can be, he's with you, working in you. John 14, 16 says, the Holy Spirit will be in you. 14, 26 says, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I have said. Jesus is the one saying that. And so we see that he dwells in us. And I want to encourage you as you're trying to figure out, okay, how does this mystery work? What is happening? How do we know how do I know what is from a different spirit and how do we know what's from the Holy Spirit? How do we know what, what's wrong and what's right? How do we know wh- who, which voice is the Holy Spirit and which voice is just our own? I don't know about you, but I have a committee living in my head. I got a committee living back here and they're saying stuff to me all the time. How do I, how do I understand which voice is the Holy Spirit? If this is a mystery, how do I figure out the mystery? I don't want to be stuck. There's one thing you can see. Number one, he always glorifies Jesus. The voice of the Holy Spirit is always glorifying what Jesus has done or what Jesus wants to do. The Holy Spirit is always glorifying things that Jesus said. He's always lifting up things that Jesus has done and things that Jesus has said and things that Jesus wants for us. John 16, 13, 14 says, but he, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Everybody say guide you. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. (gasps) He's going to speak to you about the future. He will glorify me. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The question that we must answer in order to tell what is and is not from the Holy Spirit, is does it glorify Jesus? That's how you can tell. That's how you can tell. You're asking. You're trying to figure it out. What, should I do this or should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? And sometimes it's kind of difficult to tell. Well, will it glorify Jesus? See, you, gotta, you, gotta, that, you, know, what, you know what that means? That means you've got to know a lot about Jesus. That means you've got to study the Bible about what Jesus has done, about what he says, about what he's interested in. Because you can get fooled really easy. Some employer's flashing a little money in front of you, and you've got to move half, halfway around the world to get it. Does Jesus want you to do that? Maybe. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. Sometimes in my office... I, I, I have to sit with really troubled and discouraged couples who are on the verge of divorce. And sometimes when it's, a, when it's an affair that has caused it, it is really challenging because Jesus actually states in the Gospels, it's recorded, that Divorce isn't really a good thing except for un, marital unfaithfulness. And sometimes, and I think Jesus said that for a reason. I think he knows how hard it is to recover from a violation of trust. So when I'm sitting there with this couple or with this person who is the victim of the violation, 
and I'm talking to them, I, I, say, I say something like this to them. I am, I am 100% behind you. Whatever you choose to do here, you have my support. You want to divorce your husband or your wife, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% behind you. Because Jesus says that you can, that, this, that, that he knows how hard it is. But just because you can do it does not mean you should do it. Because I don't know what the Holy Spirit might ask you to do. To see a miracle or a restoration of that marriage. So you see how tricky it can be suddenly. Oh, Jesus said I could do this. But just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And there's lots of ways that that could apply, not just to a, a couple or that's agonizing from a violation, but from a, a job or from which school should I go to or what, how should I, what should I do? I remember coming to Austin and I was in agony about whether to jump off this career that I had, this big church that I was part of, and, and it was a lot of success and it was a lot of lessons that I'd learned and, and, and I didn't know if I should do it. My wife was totally convinced, by the way. She's like, I've heard from the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to go. I was like, well, that's nice for you. I had to, I had to keep seeking. I had to keep like, like digging in to hear from the Holy Spirit for myself. And he had to dig through a lot of crud. I had to dig through a lot of stuff to get there. And God did some really cool things for me, like to convince me, like the Holy Spirit set it up, like a newspaper landing on my front porch that said, going to Austin, that was the big headline. <laughs> it, was about a, it was about a business trip people were making to Austin from Colorado Springs. And there, there were several other things, people talking to me out of the blue, people saying things that I just never imagined. And the Holy Spirit was so kind to me, but I had to dig through some junk to get there. Because there's a bit of a mystery in it. We're here and I'm, I'm convinced now. <laughs> here's what Jesus is saying and when he says he'll glorify. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying when he says that the Holy Spirit will glorify me. The word glorify, the Greek, it's a Greek word and it means to ascribe weight. Everybody say weight. <laughs> Not waiting, although that happens too. But weight, like heaviness, weight by recognizing real substance or value. Everybody say value. You're recognizing the value. He's valuing Jesus. He's recognizing the substance and the weight of Jesus for who he really is. Now, what does that mean? First, it means that the Holy Spirit does not glorify himself. Right? Okay, so just go with me. The Holy Spirit doesn't glorify himself. He's glorifying Jesus. Like he's a, the Holy Spirit is like a light bulb. It's like when you, when you get up in the middle of the night, like I do very often these days, I get up and I'm going in the dark and I'm, I don't want to hit my toe and, I, and, I, and I'm like, I need the light. And when the light comes on, what do I do? Oh, there's the light. Oh, thank you. I can see the light. No, I don't look at the light. I look down so I don't hurt myself. The Holy Spirit helps you see everything that's going on around. He's not the one you look at. He's the one that helps you see. 
He see the stuff that's in front of you. See the stuff that you won't hurt yourself on. Make sure that you're listening to the right person. He, he highlights Jesus and his work in your life. And so he doesn't glorify himself and he doesn't glorify me. He doesn't glorify my gifts. So, so often we're like, oh, my gift of this and my gift of that and my gift of giving and my gift of... No, those aren't your gifts. Those are the Holy Spirit's gift and he gave them to you. you you're operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not your own gifts. So the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus and proclaims His grace for you. And when you're making a decision, sometimes you just need grace and you try to take the, do the best you can. There's this little phrase in the New Testament church in the book of Acts, and it goes like this. They were praying. They were trying to figure out who to send, where, and where they should share the message of the gospel. And there's this, there's this little phrase, and it's, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It's a great phrase. I don't think you should ever make one of those big decisions by yourself. You should do it with your spouse, your partner, your, or a friend, a, a community. There should be people speaking. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Number two, how do you tell who he is? He's always a good gift. He's always a good gift. There's always something good that he's trying to accomplish. And this explains just what I was talking about. Luke 11, 9 through 13, it says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then, he's, and then he gives a, a picture. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? These are rhetorical questions. Of course not. So if you are sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's interesting that He keeps, that He says, keep on asking. That he says, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That's because, that's because there, you got, sometimes you've got to dig through some stuff to get there. You have to be attentive. You have to be filled with faith, and you have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is interested in. He doesn't do anything by force. He will never force you. He will only offer himself. And a light. Here's why I think Jesus says, keep on seeking Keep on it. Then you're like, I just want to know. I just tell it to me once and then I'll be done. Hey, Jesus, give me the plan. I'm a great executor of plans. Instead, he says, nope, I just want you to take one step. Here's a, <laughs> I want to see the lighthouse. Show me the miles that I'm going to travel. Nope, here's a flashlight. Go ahead, follow me. <laughs> here's why you have to keep on seeking and keep on asking because there's so much more to know and experience. There's so much more that you, you can't experience it in one dose, one little download. That they, like there's, a, there's a process by which God is making you, informing you, and releasing his purpose and ideas in your life. And you have, to, you have to continually be filled with him. You know why you have to be filled with him every day? You have to be filled with him every day. We need to be filled because humans leak. Humans leak. Everything that's in them comes out. Right? He, his goal is to flow through us. He, we want him to leak out. But, but listen, you, you, you spend, I just spent 12 hours in a prayer meeting. I was there for 12 hours. I was worshiping. I was dancing. I was reading the Bible. I was praying. I was doing all this thing. You know what happened to me on Saturday? Grumpy. <laughs> what? 
What happened? Oh, I didn't have any sleep. The Holy Spirit wanted me to work on my character. You see, you see, every day you've got to be filled. If you're not filled every day, you're going to leak it out. And then you don't have any for the next day. Listen, here's the truth. Everything leaks. If you're, if you, if you're bitter inside, your bitterness just leaks out. It seeps. If, if, you, if you're angry, if you're angry about stuff, you're angry at something that happened at work, you come home, you kick the dog. I know, I know. Okay, sorry, sorry. I forgot, it's Austin. So you come home, you come home and you kick the cat. You're so mad. You're so, listen, it's gonna, you're going you're gonna to do something bad. You're gonna, you're gonna let, it's all going to pour out of you. You've got to be filled with the Spirit so that stuff doesn't come out. You've got to replace it. You've got to replace it. I didn't say I kicked the dog. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes and I want us to pray. Because this is such a serious subject. I want you, to, I want you to, to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you and ready to help. But it, there's, there's some mystery there. And you have to unlock that mystery by leaning in. You have to unlock that mystery by, by being intuitive and sensitive to what God is saying. That means you have to, you have to contribute every day to, to being filled with Him. You have to activate Him in your life. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to come to the Lord's table. We're going to finish our time here today by coming to this table that Jesus himself set, his body, his blood. The bread represents his body broken for our wholeness and healing. The cup representing his blood for the forgiveness of sins. If you need to, if you need to say you're sorry today because you, are, you have been so distracted, You've been filled with every other spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. Or if you've not made the Holy Spirit your friend, or or maybe you've just kept God at at a distance in your life, I want you to come to this table, and I want you to exchange your weariness, your burdens, your sins, your foolishness, your resistance, and I want you to give it all to Him. He's sitting across the table from you, and He wants what you have and then he wants to exchange what he has for what you have would you be willing to be filled with his spirit filled with Christ by the Holy Spirit by the work of the spirit a renewed emphasis on Jesus and his grace in your life a renewed emphasis in God's love through Christ by the spirit That's what I want you to receive today. Come and bring it all to him. Father, we thank you for this moment and we pray that you would just speak to us now. Show us the areas of our lives that we need to just allow you to change and allow you to to redirect us. Lord, we want to be filled with your spirit. Would you come and fill us now as we give what we have? And some of us don't have much, but we give you what we have what we're carrying around inside, and we ask you to replace it with your spirit. We want to be born again. Thank you, Lord. We receive this.